the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of That's a Shame. The spooky edition. Probably not. Well, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> I realise we just talked about what we might say yeah. on the show. None of it's spooky no. yet. I have a feeling that, as we all know, the occult has a way of infecting even the least spooky episodes. Some organic cult. Yes. Wow. Let's introduce ourselves. I'm Declan. And I'm Isaac. And we'd like to really extend a warm welcome to those of you who made it through episode 12 and have <laughs> chosen to stick with us. Thanks very much, guys. So, you know... There, there are times in life when you, well, here's the thing. More often than not, you don't have to relive conversations that you do have when you're drunk. No. Thing is, if you do them on a podcast, they're very much indelibly. <laughs> not, not, not just for you to remember. <laughs> but for the whole wide world of podcast. <laughs> so look, it was, um, we all said some things. <laughs> to be fair. I don't think it was that bad. No, I don't think we said anything outrageous. We were much fairer than a lot of people would have been. Yeah. I think my tangent towards calling every right-wing person stupid with some spurious studies (laughs) is perhaps regrettable. (laughs) But, you know, I don't... There are are lots of smart ones out there. If you're listening, TAS at shame.city is the email address. What did you think? Of episode 12. No, I'm saying they could tell us. Oh, yeah, what are you up to? I know what you think. I thought it was great. (laughs) I thought it was exactly the kind of manifesto basis from which to launch a kind of dual MP double act. Yeah. Like campaign, basically. Yeah, okay. For the next month when our general election happens to be. (laughs) What's that, the July general election? Yeah, Yeah, are you going? Almost certainly. Can't wait to campaign. (laughs) That'll be fun. So yeah, it was a an entertaining episode from our perspective, certainly. We got to yeah. watch the sunrise. That was lovely. It was nice. As an uh, audible medium, I'm sure you also enjoyed the sound that the sunrise makes, characteristically yeah. silent. Um, but we are just, well, we're just kind of inside the window from where we were recording. It yeah. feels like a kind of Dickensian Christmas setting where once we were on the outside looking in and now we've managed to flip it around our fortunes reversed. Now we're the horrible, like, homeowners looking at Tiny Tim and telling him to go fuck himself. Absolutely. Fuck off, Tim. Not that Arms for the poor. Come on, fit. (laughs) I was going to say, come on and come off it. So it's a confusing mix of the two. We should mention that this is uh, exactly the configuration with which we birthed this hefty, sweating podcast into the ether. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had some... Interesting feedback on the old pilot of late. <laughs> <laughs> I went back. I, anyone who isn't mental and listens to the same episodes more than once, I don't know what that would be about. Yeah. I went back and added a, a kind of intro to the pilot episode just to be like, hi guys, this is um, Isaac from That's a Shame. Yeah, so, you know, pilots, what are they like? They're a, a complicated beast. <laughs> Sometimes you can't hear people. Sometimes there's no intro and outro music. Sometimes... They start and there's literally no clue as to where they're going. <laughs> I think we were both just surprised that the mic was even working yeah. at that stage. How green we were. Now that we're on episode 13, what do you feel has changed? Do you feel like a consummate broadcaster yet? On a scale from episode one, us, to I'm thinking Trevor McDonald, I'm thinking, you know, Terry Wogan. Look, on such a continuum, uh-huh. I feel like we're 
we're probably still closer to episode one us. I think I think we got closer to Trevor McDonald in the first few episodes. Okay. But then we stopped bringing any sort of preparation. <laughs> wow, that's and, an attack on me. Because I've got a whole Google Keep for the topics <laughs> that we haven't got to. Yet. Yeah, exactly. Because oh, yeah. we keep doing each episode mostly, well, entirely improvised. Look, our podcast has been described as a free-form experiment in podcasting. And, and that's not by us. And we will... I mean, we're going to milk that euphemism I'm for every getting it on penny badges. that it's worth. <laughs> if anyone asks me what I do, I say, hi, I'm a freeform experimenter in podcasting. Yeah. Then you get punched. That's the little tagline at the top of my CV. Well, what else would you put there? I think we should mention uh, it is episode 13. Unlucky for some. Hopefully not unlucky for us. Imagine if someone, like, imagine if everyone who listened all fell down the stairs at the same time. That'd be a shame. <sighs> We have to build the listenership up again. At that's a shame cast of you fallen and down. It's going to be a lot harder when they're, when they're starting with episode 12 already out in, a lot harder in the open. We're clearly a cursed broadcast as well. <laughs> yeah. That would be a shame. But there is, of course, that superstition around the number 13, which very, very loosely, I'll admit, segues me into <laughs> something that I think we should discuss briefly, even though it is visual and this is audio. Um, we've been binging our way through... I'm going to go out and call it the best series I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) It's certainly uh, a niche I'd never explored before. Or even knew existed. No. I'm talking, of course, of Netflix's Occult Occult Crimes. Crimes. Uh, I guess the most troubling element of the whole thing for me is that Netflix recommended this for me (laughs) to watch. (laughs) And that's something you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life. Yeah. So I've tried to rationalise it as... I. Quite a lot of people know my password and sort of hop on every so often. I'm forever having to, like, if I do want to watch something, kick people off by yeah. like, changing the password and forcing a log out of everywhere. But I don't, of the people I know who have my password, I don't think any of them are big ghost fanatics. They're not no. in the kind of, they're not marginal figures as occult crimes no. would say at least eight times an episode. <laughs> so why don't you set the scene? Tell the listenership who, if you've not watched it yet, I'm. I'm sure are going to want to afterwards. What's going on there? Look, imagine a documentary show Mm -hmm. and its focus is ostensibly on crimes, murders... Usually. ...that have taken place in settings or by people who are intimately, by which I mean most tenuously... (laughs) associated with the occult. Imagine if the definition of occult meant read a spooky book once <laughs> and then... Saw an episode of Casper. Yeah, and then went and did a did a little crime. That is what this is. And the, the real work, the real... I won't say triumph. Oh, well, that would be wrong. But marginal say. success of the show is that it just about manages to draw out these meaningless, often substanceless... Yeah, often, like, very mundane. <laughs> yeah, stories into something that clearly someone somewhere understood to be the occult. Mm. I mean, the trouble is, is that most stories in this sort of documentary, they start with a little cold open of... 
a crime that takes place. Often, or just a moment in a, a broader crime. Yeah. Just to kind of give you a taste. Yeah. And it's often like the beginning, maybe the first murder of a, of a spree, yeah. something like that. And then you go back in media res, yeah, you go back to the beginning, you tell the story of how this came to be. Then you reach that pivotal moment from the cold open, you realise how it fits into the story. And then we find out the trajectory afterwards. Now imagine that that cold open was as ubiquitous a crime <laughs> as ever you could imagine. And then imagine that instead of building up to that and then going on, that was it. <laughs> Basically, you get the ending twice. Yeah. <laughs> once at the beginning and once, once again at, the, at, at the, the end. And the trouble is, is that it's never in a way where you think, oh, I wonder, I wonder how this oh, came about. Oh, there's no about. intrigue. It's, it's like just... a man was found stabbed and Joe DeMambro was holding the knife. Like, okay, well, he stabbed him. And then, and then at the end, you the, just find And then the, very, the next sentence, you get the, the weird, overly spooky intro music oh, yeah, spooky. and then the first sentence is as a baby Joe, <laughs> Joe DeMambro was always drawing pentagrams the most recent <laughs> one we watched they're like 40 what 45 minute ish 40 mm-hmm. minute around that mark and two thirds of it easily turned out to be entirely unrelated yep. to the the single crime that took place Utterly we had to follow the eventual murder single murder took place in Italy? Germany. Germany, yes, that's right. Germany was the last one. And um, we had to follow the girl who wasn't even going to be the murderer. No. But his kind of accomplice and, uh, in her mind, apparently vampire priestess figure. That's the one. Very little evidence to support that. (laughs) We had to follow her kind of growth throughout about three different continents. Yep. (laughs) She was walking around Camden Market for about 40 minutes. Yep. To no avail. Apparently in Camden, she learned that you can be disenfranchised, but also go to a market or something. Yeah. (laughs) Really banal. (laughs) And then she went to the Isle of Man to meet the Leopard Man. The Isle of Sky. The Isle of Sky to meet the Leopard Man, who is just this tattooed mental case who kept appearing in different caves. Who I think the the showrunners assumed was actually part leopard as they often had him appearing in bushes Uh and I've seen photos of him and his the point of him is that his tattoos are like everywhere and he was probably still is like amongst the most tattooed people Mm -hmm. in the world the story was not that um, as occult crimes portrayed him he was a bald man who had drawn on little paw prints (laughs) to his skin with felt tip pen and spent his days tutoring goths yeah so how that, to drink they blood. were trying to say that he was like the dumbledore figure like that he was her gateway to the underworld or he was just a mad guy lives in a cave utterly misunderstood dumbledore <laughs> <laughs> that was dumbledore wasn't it he was a madman who lives there mate yeah guards the gates of hell you That's say him. <laughs> but yes it's um there are certain tropes that they have the whole thing we think is made in france yeah and um rather than having experts who have anything to do with the crimes. They've got about four people. Yeah, who, who in seems, every episode. <laughs> who seem to know about every vaguely occult <laughs> crime that's ever taken place. Even though these crimes categorically will not have made international news nope. because they're often like... So The Children of Thunder was the second episode, I think. And that is a name that, I'll give them credit, it inspires a certain mm, awe. Definitely. The Children of Thunder. It's almost like a uh, like video game it's, level. Yeah, it's... 
it's sort of like Manson family, mm. but then some. Yeah, you, you're expecting a legion of these people to crest a hill. There were three. There were three. Three people. I mean, two of them were brothers. <laughs> and the other one was, was one of an, their girlfriends. Was an obese girlfriend. And I mean, that's the point for me at which I realised that you can't really trust the creators of occult crimes to be square with you. No. About the contents of it. You can't even trust them to be square with you within a single <laughs> sentence. As they will say things such as, she did not die. <laughs> yeah, there was a build-up. There were two, a couple that was killed... And it's like, they were both taken to a bathroom and they said the the man, whatever his name was, Arnold, was beaten to death. And then Lillian will survive her inj- injuries. They slit her throat though. Yeah. 100% dead. <laughs> Sorry if you have tricked you. So they just have this weird setup. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I think that the reason for all of these, having the, the same three experts talking about every single one, is that I'm not sure that they're ever talking about an individual crime. It's so vague mm. that I think they are just going, they found a pentagram and a little bucket a of sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly this was a satanic killing. It's um, It has the quality of something that you would just turn a camera on, say to the guy, just give us like, I don't know, four hours of your best occult material. Yeah. And then they came back and just smashed different scenes together from yeah, they try to find crimes that would fit to it <laughs> <laughs> there is it's all held together as well by the stalwart work of one Kim Handysides who is the only cast member credited for the show Kim if you're listening we'd love to I would genuinely love to get you on the show and just hear about your experience she's an American voice actor and narrates the whole thing uh, and so precisely does she adhere to what I assume is her remit that she will flagrantly mispronounce words. Yep. Uh, machete. Indict. He was stabbed with a machete <laughs> 84 <laughs> times, making a pentagram, apparently. I mean, one, one, of the, one of the last things that I wanted to say about it, which baffles me and intrigues me, mm-hmm. is the very large disparity in detail between separate elements of the show yeah. in that the crime itself could be described in the most ambiguous of terms. Stabbed won't say where. Chucked in an aganga. Yeah. You know, that there was, uh, you know, shapes on the floor. Won't, <laughs> won't tell you what they were, but then every single person's address yep. is read out in full they you know, they will detail the bus timetable to you, everyone's phone numbers, how long they took, in the most painstaking level of detail. Only to then cut to another expert who clearly, having not been given any kind of script to go nope, off or vague nothing, talking points, will then recap all the information. Again. Exactly. John of 32, yeah. you've got all these amazing other voice actors who kind of dub over the French and Italian people. And he just sounds, he's got a kind of drunk Scandinavian quality to his voice. Yeah. And just gets ever more laborious about (laughs) where everyone lives. What they were thinking. (laughs) There are so many things that are made up as well. It's like that riddle about where the guy's like, it's some lateral thinking puzzle and you're a policeman and a woman is found dead in her bed or something. And the guy, the husband says, well, she woke up 
no, she was having a nightmare and then she died or something like that. And you're supposed to realise that how could he have known she was having a nightmare because he'd have had to talk to her first or whatever. Yeah. In the same way, this programme has no... It's almost like a child pre-brain development ability to realise what people could know in certain scenarios. Yep. And it will just make bold claims about... In her last moments, Barbara was thinking of her mother and her time in the islands of the Mediterranean. Yeah, the, the, the number of times... <laughs> How do you that know? The number of times that they have spoken in very intimate detail about what people were thinking the words that they said uh, and and how they moved. And I'm sitting there going, if they don't survive this, then you're you a liar. Lied. <laughs> and you I simply made you. every single Joseph was stabbed to death. Oh, it was there a lie. You, you made you it up. Bulking out your word count. <laughs> That's nothing else. So yeah, check out Occult Crimes. Very good. Um, Grab a few beers. We've still got two to go. And I'm I can't imagine so excited. The priestess of chaos. Can't imagine where that's going to like? She was probably the priestess that oversaw someone like dropping a book once. Yep. That was, oh, the chaos was everywhere. She's just a library. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a powerful work of art. It does also, as we said yesterday, it gives one hope that if that series has been commissioned, if yeah. you ever want to create anything... Just there just it. is a market for yeah. it. If occult crimes can succeed, so can you. If they can get handy sides. <laughs> Anyone can. Yeah. We should definitely get her to record something yeah. for the show. I'll pay her up to $12.13, maybe. As it's for an hour's worth of material. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've had an email. We have indeed. Quite a while ago now, and we've been meaning to... Oh, actually, only nine days ago. Oh, okay. feels like a lot longer. We've probably just done about seven episodes in that time or something. (laughs) Don't give away (laughs) our method. This is live broadcast (laughs) every time you press play. Um, So let's dive in, because as we've said every time, and I'll repeat very quickly, these are going to be shorter episodes for this one and the next one. Then we're back to our normal hour-ish. Until the end of next month. <laughs> we'll be scraping together the few minutes that we have, like tragic 2p coins at a vending machine. So let's dive into this email. We would, of course, encourage all listeners to email feedback, thoughts. Have you watched Occult Crimes? Maybe you know Kim Handysides. Maybe your friends have been affected by pentagrams. TAS at shame.city. As sent Emily. Indeed. Over to you. Well, Emily's... Uh an old friend of mine, uh-huh. by which I mean long-standing. She's 85. <laughs> That's the one. exploiting her for her pension. <laughs> Good. Uh, I've known her since primary school, um, and she's been one of our most avid listeners, uh-huh. something for which we're extremely grateful. Of course. Uh, and she sent us a, <clears throat> a roundup email because she tells me that she's been drafting it for about nine weeks like pretty much since episode one like it's uh, a really important like closing statement yeah in a, a legal case so uh, it pretty much rounds up our first 10 episodes telling us all the things she enjoyed the story of crown and cobweb uh-huh. the cat hotel motel holiday m- mansion <laughs> uh john darkins uh-huh the are you one, just are the you one bullet pointing was. rather than reading? Yeah. I think we should read some of it. You literally said... No, I said we should read all of it. <laughs> just some of right, it. Right, okay. Well, which bits would you like to read then? Let's just start off. Dear Isaac and Declan, I've very much been enjoying the show. I've also been meaning to send this for ages, but I am a sod. Don't go too hard on yourself, Emily. 
I, it was a draft, as Declan said, in my email for ages that I forgot about and then was reminded of when listening to episode 10 and listening to the fancy new ways of getting in touch. TS at shame.city. Thanks for that. A moving story. She says uh, of the Crown and Cobweb tale that it filled her with genuine outrage. Kick all the cats off the property. Kick them clean off. <laughs> a violent proposition, but one that I think we can all get behind. Yeah, not because it's the cat's fault. Oh, no. But just that these heathens... They don't deserve cats. No. They don't deserve names or access to basic language. (laughs) (laughs) Horrible idiots. John Darkins, get him on. There's no excuse not to have done so already. Seems like such an agreeable man who's very easy to communicate with. Work on this. I like that she's she's kind of assumed a position of like a boss. Directorial. And I guess um, the listenership is our boss to one way of thinking. Yeah. But I mean, like... Most bosses I think we've ever had between us, uh-huh. we probably won't listen. Not in a big way. No. <laughs> I'll nod along. And then but we may we may try, because we did look into getting in touch with John, didn't we? Yes. But we have I think then... we found his home address. But then we have since been horrible to him again. <laughs> yeah, so we want to just leave it for a bit so that there's no chance that he'd go over the backlog. No. I mean, there's no chance anyway. No. I don't think he would know what a podcast meant. He'd think they were probably coming to take his jobs or something. <laughs> <laughs> Bless. It's probably trying to bite Mark. <laughs> Scratch. Okay. Um, she's given us some content ideas, and that is always appreciated because it means we don't even have to do the minimal amount of work that, <laughs> that we're supposed do. to do. And here they are. What does everyone else really, really love that you particularly despise? This was prompted by the Hamilton topic. Yeah. Um, Hamilton. Yeah. That's a big one. <laughs> I think Lin, it's Lin Manuel in in general. Yeah, we watched some videos of him yesterday. Utterly hateful person. Dreadful. <laughs> Lin, if you're listening, I'd like to revise m- my previous statement that I do hope that the fall down the stairs kills him. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, I mean, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. That was generous. He's been given a time. genius grant and yeah. been told that Hamilton's the best bit of art <clears throat> in the world of ever. Time. And. I mean, both of those things are a reprehensible stain <laughs> on the conscience already. of humanity. Yeah. On the already pockmarked <laughs> conscience of humanity. So, I think personally it would be easier. It's not for contrarian reasons. It's just I don't like that much stuff. So it would be kind yeah. of easier to name the ones that I do like. Like freedom. Uh, <laughs> the idea of... Uh, Pixar. Yeah. Love that. Disney. That's yeah. probably my most my most mainstream uh, like. Yeah, I think, I think so too. People are surprised to find that I like Disney because I hate most other stuff. Yeah, you're not a, necessarily a purveyor of childish joy. Am I not? I thought that was the whole remit for this show. Not day today. <laughs> well, I have to change the description. <laughs> of she also asked, "What's the best gift you've ever received? What's the absolute worst? Is gift giving a shame?" Discuss. Um, gifts now I've been lucky to have been surrounded and also I'm an only child so remember that they're always better (laughs) you always get more Uh, my mum's always been great at gift giving so I can't really point to any particularly bad examples but it did remind me of a story my mum told me about a wedding she went to Um, weddings are a shame I'm going to put that out there and this one in particular had a shameful element embedded in it which was uh I guess the whole concept of a wedding list is quite hateful. Horrid. The idea that you can uh, direct people towards presents that you want so obviously. I think you should feel ashamed to do that a bit. 
I understand, like, you don't want everyone to get you the same casserole dish. But it's... It, what annoys me is the people who do it. Because, like... I mean, traditionally, it would have been because you were a young couple just starting out. You were probably just moving in together. You probably didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, that if people were going to get you, you know, a stove, an ironing board, the basic necessities... Yeah. But now the bare necessities. Oh, that'll be coming up later. But then now it's people who are breaking the bank to spend <laughs> forty grand on one day, yeah, and then have a list of things that they want. Xbox. Well, well, how about how about you just get married and fucking buy it yourself, <laughs> you greedy bastards? And if your friends are the kind of people who are all going to buy you the same stew pot. Get new friends. Get Get rid of them. Don't be inviting five people, all of whom the best thing they can think of to summarise their feelings towards your physical form is fucking Lakewood plastics. (laughs) Tragic. So that's a tragedy already. We accept that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go a step further. They'd combined two things that are loathsome. um, And I'll lead with the probably second most egregious in a way, but it's also now an affront to art as Mm -hmm. well. Inside the invitation... They'd written a poem. And it was quite long, I think. It was in, as well, we should discuss one day, it was in Racist Meter. Oh, Racist Meter. This is from, yeah, uh, just to give it some context, we once spent an afternoon going through Stormfront, the white supremacist forum. Uh, The end. (laughs) No, just, (laughs) they have a poetry section. For reasons we have never been able to discern. Every poem is written in the same meter which is only otherwise shared by children's books and it creates a very confusing it's obvious because they're all stupid idiots well yeah exactly but it creates a very confusing kind of upbeat vibe to lines like hitler knew just what to do he wouldn't put up with the tricky jew and you're like (laughs) you're mental (laughs) this is loathsome so they'd written it in that kind of meter and obviously i can't remember it. it was i think it was a few verses but the gist was something like come to our wedding it'll be funny don't bother with gifts, though. Just send us some money. And they'd tried to no. eschew gifts as a no. concept. We're just like, yeah, just give us a cash. So my mum <laughs> passive-aggressively got them one of those uh, donations to a charity that sends, like, a goat to a family <laughs> in Africa. Gave them the gift. That's great. Gave them, like, the, the voucher that says, you've got a goat now. Not here, in Africa. <sighs> what horrible If I this? got that, I'd have burnt the wedding i'd have sent that letter to isis just so they knew this is western decadence incarnate come you on guys you. look some people deserve to go down in <laughs> so yeah I, whilst i haven't really got any personal experience of bad gifts to report that's the that's the instance that for me puts yeah. gift giving in the usually a shame category see i i can particularly poor gifts that i've received uh-huh. i i i Remember a story that I was told of my brother and I when we were a, a lot younger? Because, and maybe you will, uh, I mean, hopefully, I wasn't there. hopefully you will empathise with this state of mind, but certainly as a child, presents that are soft mm-hmm. are clothes and therefore not toys right. and therefore not as fun. Yeah. Presents that are clearly a box is either a video later a dvd yeah uh or it's a toy probably Mm -hmm. and therefore fun just a box so we got given a huge box each 
by our aunt. And we were like so excited. This box was the size of us. Right. I mean, it wasn't. But it, was, <laughs> it was large. Yes. So we were both excited, tearing off the wrapping paper, lifted off the lid, and inside was a hoodie each. Oh. And we just went, oh. Thanks. I don't even think we said Oh, no. <laughs> I've always been really good at disguising poor gifts. This was, I think, where we learnt about so. covering up mm. when you're, as you know, a bit more disappointed than you thought you would. But apparently it was so horrifically palpable, our drop oh, no. in excitement. We couldn't have made it more obvious that this was the least important gift that we had been given each. Aww. Great jumpers lasted for years. Still wearing it today, I see. No. Tiny. Lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have had uh, experiences of giving gifts that went poorly. Because mm-hmm. um, I... Because I am a, a good gift giver. I'm going to say that. You're going to make that bond statement that about yourself. Okay. You've been on the receiving end of I have yet. Of my no, gifts. Fair enough. You're a good gift giver. Um, and so I, I bought a, for my nan mm. a live DVD of a Jack Johnson concert. She had to take that concert DVD, uh-huh. which she loved. She yes. was also an enormous fan of Jack Johnson. I was going to say, it's not a classic Nan present. If no. I went on Amazon and clicked on recommended for grandparents, <laughs> it would just be different. Work. She had every album he'd ever done. Right. Uh, so I got this. Jack Johnson album was on her Christmas list. So I'd got this for her. I was pretty excited. It was just as she was starting to go mental from the old <laughs> Alzheimer's, which is worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, so first up to give a gift was my sister who'd got her a metre long tube of Jaffa cakes because she went through Jaffa cakes like <laughs> nothing you could ever imagine. Sorry, I did hear meet along like sing along. Oh no, so upset. Meter <laughs> right, long okay. uh, tube of, of Jaffa cakes and she handed it over really gleefully mm-hmm. and then unwrapped it and looked at it for a second and there was a silence and she turned to my sister and went, where am I supposed to put this then? (laughs) 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 Great. Thanks for that, Matt. (laughs) It's a strong start. Who's going to follow that? So yeah, well, my brother followed that uh, with generic Danielle Steelbook number 397. Loved it. Oh, well, it's a safe bet, isn't it? Exactly. So I was feeling good about my chances. Mm -hmm. Uh, Handed my gift over next. She unwrapped it, looked at it for a while, then looked back at me and said... I wanted the CD. <laughs> well, this is better. It's got pictures. This is audio plus images, yeah. man. Didn't want it. Wow. About two months later, my family had been out and then they'd been to see Nan on their way back and then they came home. And as they came through the door, they were all crying with laughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went out to greet them and asked why. And my dad handed me this Jack Johnson DVD still in the cellophane, and said, Nan gave us this, said someone gave it to her for Christmas and she doesn't want it. Wow. <laughs> right, well, fuck Brutal. you. <laughs> That's the last Gift thing you ever gave. I ever bought her. <laughs> Aww. So, yeah, so to answer the question, gift giving, not de facto mm-hmm. a shame. But often leans that way. Yeah. It's definitely a stage upon which a lot of like, shame can Yeah, emerge. like most things, people make it a shame. A shame is what you make of it. 
Exactly. That's a lovely moral to kind of begin to wrap up on. Because as I said, these are shorter episodes. We'll thank Emily again because it was a really nice email and it's taken us a few episodes to get back to. Yeah. But yeah, we really appreciate it. All feedback is much appreciated, especially if it's as positive as this. <laughs> yeah. TAS at shame.city. Send us your thoughts. Um, we have, of course, got to go into Hooked. Mm-hmm. The listenership cries out for it. It's very much, we're on 32 minutes. Okay. It's decent. It's very much the, um, you know, it's the, f- the finishing line mm-hmm. for every episode. And add to that that it's, you know, an amazing narrative rivaling well, the best. You say that. Mm-hmm. I had a little look at Hooked on the App Store. Yes. Because I was worried that it would just be this one never-ending story. That was just, like, randomly generated. Seems it's not. Okay. So that's positive. So there, there will be an ending to Tiffany's story. I can only hope it's soon. But here's here's what Hooked themselves have to say about their app. Mm-hmm. Uh, edge of the seat thrillers, they call it. Wrong. Will keep you reading for hours. True. Or, get this, something we must try. Write your own story. No. You can do it collaboratively. Oh, that's so Improv good. text story. But yeah, we here's, do that one day. here's something they have to say. <clears throat> we love reading just like you, but we know it can get boring when <laughs> stories are too long. So we created this app to make reading snappy, spooky and fun. <laughs> three I, for three failure. Are you ready for the next sentence? Yes. Drawing on the long tradition of epistolary literature. No! They cannot reasonably... Like Bram Stoker's Dracula. And Clarissa. Hooked stories unfold through back and forth conversations. Fuck off. If you can't get enough of books like Hunger Games, Divergent, The Fault in Our Stars and Harry Potter, or if you're a fan of fanfic, like stories about One Direction. No. Or if you just can't put your Kindle down at night, you will love Hooked. That's everyone. Ready? Their last sentence, and even if you're not a big reader, but you love Snapchat, you should give Hook to try. <laughs> <laughs> That's the broadest pitch I've ever heard. It's They've incredible. both captured everyone They've who loves for... reading, people who don't Hate even know reading. what words are, but love Snapchat. Yeah. <sighs> Nonsense. Let's recap where we were. Uh, the Briefly. woman with the rock. Yeah, she was a problem. She's gone, but turns out not quite, but she... Knows the dad. Yeah, that's been revealed. That was the big cliffhanger. The twist. baby's crying again, FML. Won't stop. And let's get back in. Let's go from your line. How does he know this woman? I don't know how. Oh, no, I don't know how they met, but dot, dot, dot. They both regret it now. What happened is, it's irreversible. Can you please give me a straight answer, please? Whose baby is in the <gasps> basement? This is the most answer we've ever oh my had God. sort of thing. Your father. Dun, dun, dun. What? A little girl. Uh, What the hell do you mean it's dad's baby? He's been having an affair. Oh, boring. I didn't want you to find out. I didn't want you to know what happened today. Dad? An an affair? It was a mistake. (laughs) What a good lie. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to fuck someone outside our marriage. At least that's what he told me. I didn't want to tell you and, and disappoint you. He tried to break it off with her, but she went crazy, (laughs) threatened to kill him. He's become worried for the baby's safety, so he took her. Are you freaking serious? So that's his mistress at the door? Yes, Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) All tension dissolves. Why why has she been keeping this information for so long? She's obsessed with your father. I was hoping she wouldn't take it to this level. Dad is such a bastard. (laughs) I can't believe he'd do that to you. And now I'm the one dealing with his crap.
crap. I know. I'm sorry, Tiffany. Is that why he's been staying at hotels <laughs> recently? What a cover. <laughs> I know you two haven't been getting along. Well, he was worried Jessica would follow him home and harm the family. Wow. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Tiffany, the voice of yeah. the audience. Are you okay? I am now. I feel much better. It's a real load off mum's mind, isn't it? To be, yeah. able to be honest. Oh, no. I can hear her again. <gasps> She's walking around the side of the house. She keeps saying, where is she? I'd like a different voice for Rock Lady. She keeps saying, where is she? <laughs> Holy fuck. She knows her baby is here. Go look from the upstairs bathroom. Get away from the ground floor. She's not, <laughs> she she's not a flood. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can see her. I think she has a gun. Bum, bum, bum. Well, that, that is as good a place to end as any. This has been the spookiest episode so far, episode Definitely. 13. I can't imagine what episode 666 is going to be like. Jesus Christ. It's going to be mental. Uh, thanks for listening, as always, at That's a Shamecast on Twitter. Yep. We've got our contest going. You can win Overwatch, you can win T-shirts, you can win Drown Your Sorrows tokens. That's, no, yeah, it is. It's shame.city slash contest. Don't enter if you're boring. No, don't be doing that. And uh, shout out, as always, to... Our big favourites, Shy Yeti, Turning Point. We love those guys. Great work. Check them out. Thanks very much. Guys. We were two pods a day. Did we talk about that? We didn't know. Well, we were. It was great. Thanks. <laughs> I've been Isaac. You've been Declan. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Necessities, simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities. Oh, Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Some honey just for me The bare necessities of life Will come to you
necessities of life will come to you. Come to you. 